This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's now, about reclaiming your life, and that's why you need to call the this Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043 is on average three or four degrees warmer a year or whatever it is that sounds pretty good to me uh, there's a lot of places and this is what I never it never gets explained to me how this is there are a lot of places where it's too cold for people to want to live and huge pieces of land I don't just mean Antarctica I mean you know look at Canada look at you go up above a certain degree of latitude in Canada and you look at you know, Russia and you look at you know, there's also, then you go on the other side, uh, go south, and there are so many places that I feel like would be nicer, much nicer, much more attractive places to live. And this, is human civilization supposed to be stagnant in terms of where populations are clustered? So we, so there's movement. We've got a lot more, we got a lot more people coming on board anyway, right? There's a lot more people that live in the world now than did in uh, centuries past. So it, some people say, oh, Buck, what about the places? Well, it's not. You know, find me the place in the world right now where it's so hot that nobody can live there. I mean, there are maybe a few places in the little deserts, but that's really more a function of water than temperature. Um, but, you know, I, I don't see, the, you know, if the temperate zone gets a little bigger, I don't really see the big deal. And I know we're supposed to all be so, uh, we're so terrified of this notion that climate change is going to come for us all. And, and the, the hatred, uh, the hatred that people feel for those who have questions about what is a an obviously a scientific issue and not an issue of morality, but they want to turn it into morality because for them, that's where the real benefit is. It's not about trying to save the world. They're not going to save the world, and I think they know that. For them, it's about something else. It's about something quite different. Their role here as being moral arbiters, in a way, or, or being people that are making moral distinctions not scientific distinctions as you sit here it's you know was it mid-march and we got a huge snowstorm hitting the whole northeast corridor okay you know tell me about how climate change is is co2 related again and it was supposed to be getting warmer but we have these and they say oh well, one day isn't okay well, why is it that one day isn't a weather event that we have to talk about when it doesn't fit your narrative but when it does fit your narrative of course you know if there's a big storm big hurricane we're told, oh, it's climate disruption. And this is all crap. It's all nonsense. I wanted to share with you today some uh, broad... As, as you know, it's our... Well, we have three more days. Today, tomorrow, and Thursday are our last days together on the Blaze Radio, as I've announced to you. And I'm very thankful for the opportunities that I've been given at the Blaze. Uh, I have a debt, as I have... Uh, 
told Glenn in the past and, and told him recently, uh, I have a debt of gratitude to the Blaze that I will never be able to repay, and that is that they gave me a chance in this business, which is a very hard business to even get a chance in, and also taught me, gave me a skill set where I can say, and you know, because I have two things that have come together during my time at the Blaze that really uh, matter or will be helpful for my career. One of them is that I have had to develop the skills in many different ways, and it's been trial by fire, but learning how to be on a TV panel, learning how to host a TV show, learning how to read off prompter properly, learning how to run an interview, learning how to write for a website, learning how to write a rundown for a TV show, learning how to do a radio show, write a rundown for a radio show, how to pull that together, having the stamina to do two hours, then three hours, then five hours, depending on the day, of radio. Solo radio, content, what's your cadence, what's your thought process, how do you connect with the audience? I've had to learn all of that, and I've had to learn it for real, you know, without without much of a, you know, without a, uh, a safety net, without, you know, I'm, I'm up there on the wire just doing it. So that's one part of being at the Blaze that's just been incredible. I've had so much exposure to so many different ways of doing media and, and had opportunities. It's, you really couldn't have created a better media boot camp than being in the Blaze newsroom first and then being on the Blaze TV or GBTV at first and then the Blaze TV and Real News, the panel show, then guest hosting Glenn show, doing a Saturday radio show, a five-day week radio show, all for the Blaze, then guest hosting for Glenn, then Rush, then Sean, and uh, then starting my own show um, in national syndication now. But I mean, the blaze all, all along has just given me, it's been amazing. And I've been around now, uh, the blaze almost six years, which means that I'm really one of the, you know, longstanding on the media, on the content side of it. I'm the, I'm the grizzled veteran other than uh, Glenn Patton stew. I think I've been around. I, I, oh, and uh, Michael Pelka, the Godfather, he's been around as long, he's been around longer than I have. Um, but there's only a handful that, that have been around as long as me. So I'm very thankful to the blaze and, uh, I wish Glenn and Pat and Stu and the whole team down there in Dallas, Tommy and Dana, everybody, uh, Lawrence, and now I'm going to want to say everybody. Now I'm, now I'm at like the award show mode, you know, Chris Salcedo and Lawrence Jones and everybody else. But, but it's really, mo, you know, my, my, I wish them all uh, the best of luck and, and they're all great people. And I think they all have really bright futures in this business. Um, but Glenn, Glenn, I owe it a debt of gratitude too. So that's, that's different. Um, and I, I wanted to just say that to all of you now. Uh, so with that in mind now, uh, just want to give you some thoughts that I have on some things that are going on. One, other than the fact that it's really snowy here on Tuesday in New York and I do not want to go outside. And now I wish that I could do all my radio from home sometimes. Um, I'm worried that the Republican party Look, many of us have seen this coming for some time. And so in that sense, there's really no surprise. But I worry that the Republican Party is going to have to face up to what it has really become sooner than it may be anticipated with regard to spending and the more populist components of this new Trump agenda. Um, there is clearly a separation between those who got into office and have been able to been able to keep pushing until they've become pretty prominent household names in politics by being conservatives versus those who view their role as something more of a hybrid 
and they don't want to necessarily they don't balancing the budget is one thing. Keep in mind, even balancing the budget, which a lot of it is, oh, we'll balance the budget in ten years. I mean, this is like saying I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to pay off my credit card debts in ten years. Uh, what are you going to do for the next? You know, what do you think happens for the next ten years? Do you think it's good to be carrying around all that debt? The debt gets worse. We've got twenty trillion dollars in debt, and Republicans are talking about a balanced budget, but we need to pay off that debt or pay it down, especially as interest rates are going to be rising here soon, and no one's even talking about that. This has been exposed first and foremost with uh, Obamacare and the repeal and replace of Obamacare because now you have Republicans who are just straight up saying, I I don't want the Medicaid expansion to go away. Too many of my constituents in my state, this is really true for senators in particular, too many of my constituents in my state like the Medicaid expansion. They like that they have free health care coverage. And it's not good healthcare coverage, but you tell that to somebody who's got an option of healthcare coverage that is free or zero, and understandably, a lot of people are going to go with, I'll take the free coverage, thank you. So that's the beginning of a much broader uh, conversation. I, th- I think it's the start of a much bigger rift that's coming, and that rift is going to have to do uh, with which direction the Republican Party really goes in now. Okay, we can build a wall. That would be, that's great. Build your wall on the southern border, Trump style, and begin to change immigration enforcement priorities. And sure, there's a whole bunch of things that Trump says, and figure out the, you know, the vetting procedures that you want for those who are coming in this country from other countries. But there are a whole bunch of other issues that are obviously not conservative, a trillion dollars of Infrastructure spending is the first and most obvious one that comes to mind. Um, But also, uh, you add, even beyond that, the family leave policy, which Ivanka is very much spearheading, uh, even though she's not officially working for the administration, at least I believe she's not. So that's a part of all of this. And, you know, as, as as I look at what's happening and see the way the Republican Party is going, I mean, you just have to ask the question, is this, is this Republican Party really what it had been billing itself as for years, which is going to be a return to limited government conservatism? I don't think that's going to happen. I have real concerns about this now. I don't see a Republican Party that is going to tackle the debt because the debt's not popular. See, there's, there's what's popular and there's what's wise. And those are not always in sink. In fact, in many cases, they are not. What's popular is often going to be what is unwise, especially when you take a long-term view. And tackling the debt is always going to be unpopular because people would rather just spend money and have somebody else pay for it. That's true on spending and entitlements. It's also true with Obamacare. I, I feel sometimes like I'm a lone voice on this. There are two fundamental problems with Obamacare that nobody wants to talk about. One of them is that everybody has, and I say everybody loosely, I don't mean you and me and every individual, obviously, but generally speaking, Americans, I'll refer to the general sense of Americans as everybody here. Everybody thinks somebody else is going to pay for their health care. And it's true even in cases where people think that they're not having somebody else pay for their health care, but they really are. Medicare beneficiaries overwhelmingly take a lot more out in Medicare over their life cycle than they have paid into it beforehand. That's just reality. So that means somebody else is paying for your Medicare in part. You're paying a portion of it, but somebody else is paying. 
and people with their co-pays and uh, their prescription drug benefits and the other aspects of this that come into play, you, you say to yourself, okay, well, I'm paying for my health care. Well, no, I mean, either your employer or the taxpayer through the government is paying for your health care in large part. And when somebody else is paying, we've got a problem. And we're all used to thinking that somebody else is going to pay. That's different from insurance. Real insurance would be everybody pays up to, and of course this is where your policy would matter, but everybody pays up to 5000 or 10000 on their on their other health care every year. Every year. Before, before a dime kicks in. That's what you'd really have to do. Or maybe it's three thousand, or maybe it's two thousand, whatever it is. I, I don't know. I mean, but this is this, that's a that's really going to be. Think about it like your car. How many of you have a, have a, a car policy where if you get a scratch on the door, it's going to cost three hundred dollars to fix? Your insurance is going to send you a check for that for a scratch on the door. I, I've never had that. Maybe you do, but most policies I've had are if you get in an accident, you're writing a check for a thousand dollars before a dollar gets back to you, and you lost a thousand dollars. Not, you know, oh, well, I'm going to get reimbursed for all this. No, you have a $1,000 deductible. So high deductibles are just a, a recognition of financial reality, which nobody wants, ever wants somebody else to pay. And that's true even of our entitlement program. People say, well, I've been paying into entitlements for a long time. Well, if you pay into something, but you take more out than you put in, then you're getting stuff. You're not just taking back what you paid in. You're getting stuff. You're getting more. And that is overwhelmingly the case. People get more out of it than they put into it. I think it's actually the, over the like recently the boomers are estimated to take out twice what they paid in. So that means that, that people who are listening who are not baby boomers who are younger than that, you're going to be paying for it. You're paying for it. This is how we run up $20 trillion of debt. 19 point something trillion dollars. So that's one aspect of it. And then there's the other part of this, which is the lack of a, a willingness, I think, among many of us, do look. I, I do believe that somebody that somebody has to be provided care for life-threatening illnesses. Period. You know, no one's allowed to die because they can't get health care. Uh, that's that. There is there is a moral question that comes into play here. You know, no one's allowed to be brought into an emergency room with a gunshot wound and oh, he doesn't have health care, so he gets to he, we're just going to leave him there and he'll bleed out. I mean, of course not. But there's another side to that coin, or another aspect to this which is that when they've reformed the healthcare system such that everybody is in a position to either be covered to a certain extent by the government with Medicaid or with tax credits to buy healthcare based on their income, and it is possible to buy a policy that you pick, that you want, that, that, that you're held to, and people don't choose to do that. We have to be willing to say, well, you'll get treatment, but you're going to go bankrupt if you get really sick. You know, so if you, if you choose not to have health insurance, if you choose not to buy health insurance, and you get really sick, yes, you will get treatment, but you're going to get the bill. Otherwise, well, what are we doing? Otherwise, this all just turns into a big game, a big political game. And this is what, nobody wants to say this, because I know it sounds harsh, but this is just the reality. Unless we're willing to let people, once we have a system where re, it's a reasonable expectation that a person will have insurance, if they refuse to get insurance, refuse to ensure their health, and then they get a catastrophic illness or they get really sick, they should be, they, they should, and now people say, well, Buck, if they receive care and they don't have the money, well, what are you going to do then? Well, 
you know, then I, then, then I guess, you know, we, the taxpayer is on the hook for those, just like the taxpayers on the hook for people that get sent to prison and we have to feed them and clothe them and, uh, they get healthcare and, you know, there's no alternative there. You can't, you can't lock somebody up for, you know, uh, Medicare fraud just to stay in our general wheelhouse here and say, well, we're not going to give you healthcare. So you just get to slowly die in prison. I mean, no, we're paying for their healthcare, but this idea that, we can have we can let people make choices freely about whether or not they're going to have health care and there won't be consequences for the consequences you're gonna you're gonna bet your bank account would have to be emptied and you're gonna go bankrupt and you're gonna have to have a bankruptcy on your record or else there's no punishments for making wrong decisions right? or, or else what are we really trying to do um that's that's the part of this that i think nobody nobody really wants to get into no one wants to say that everybody wants somebody else to pay for their health care and even Republicans are, are not honest about this. Uh, nobody wants to say that. And also with uh, the hazards of allowing people to make decisions about their health care, nobody seems willing to say, hey, uh, this is going to mean that if we don't make people buy a policy and they don't buy a policy, even though it's there is a, a catastrophic policy that anybody who's not covered under Medicaid should be able to buy, uh, if you get really sick, uh, you'll get treatment, but you're also going to get a bill for $50,000 that you're going to have to pay off over time, or you're going to have to declare bankruptcy. You know, that That's what real reform, that's what a free market reform would look like. I know that sounds harsh, but think about it. What, what's the alternative? You know, I mean, either you qualify, you know, you qualify for food stamps, or if you don't qualify for food stamps and you don't work, uh, I mean, it's interesting. We do this with healthcare. We don't do this with food. Now the market's taken care of, and food is so inexpensive now that nobody's country's starving. As you know, obesity is a much bigger challenge for a lower income individuals than starvation, of course. Um, but the, 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 the moral questions are what get very difficult here for people, and also what punishment for bad decisions really looks like. Uh, all right, uh, I got to hit a break here, team. I'll be back right after. Stay with me. Let your voice be heard. Hello. 888-900-3393. On the Blaze Radio Network. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline, a licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. dispensing the truth this is buck sexton on the blaze radio network all right team welcome back to the hut we got uh, t-minus three days and counting of the uh, buck sexton show on the blaze radio 
So uh, please do, those of you listening now, if you have not already, follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Buck is going to be where I'd love for you to go. And also, if you are um, uh, able to, you can follow me or you can download the show on iTunes, subscribe on iTunes. Let's go to Buck Saxon with America now and uh, you'll be good to go from there. Uh, so please do that. And yeah, I've uh, got some more stuff to talk to you about coming up here in a few minutes. A snowy day in New York City and the Northeast. Hope you're, uh, if you're in part of this blanket of snow, you are at least uh, safe and sound, warm and good to go wherever you are. And if you're in the rest of the country, just be thankful you're not snowed in. Uh, we're going to hit a break, 888-900-3393 if you want on the phones. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to take calls this next hour, so don't, don't worry about that. Um, but we're going to hit a break here, and we'll be right back. Stay with me. This is the Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Team Buck, welcome back to the Freedom Hut. Great to have you all. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, a quick announcement. I know I've been telling you, I'm sorry about this. This is on me. Uh, I know I've been saying that we have till Thursday. It turns out that tomorrow is going to be the last day of the Buck Sexton Show at noon on the Blaze Radio Network. It's going to be tomorrow, not Thursday. Uh, the one and only Michael Pelka, the godfather, who was, I believe, my first ever official guest on radio so there's there's a lot of synchronicity here uh we're, we're completing the circle it's the circle of life and radio uh michael pelka will be taking over the show uh for the foreseeable um and uh, he's going to do a fantastic job and you are not only in the hands of somebody who loves radio uh and is uh, a lot of fun and, and fun to listen to He's, he's one of the nicest guys that you will ever meet. I can also tell you that. Always was super supportive of me and, and everybody else at The Blaze. Uh, and during some interesting times of change there, he was always a voice of, of calm. So Opelka is the man, and uh, I, I really um, am glad that he's going to be stepping into the 12 to 3. So uh, tomorrow's our last show. I will be live for the show tomorrow. Um, so I know some segments you may have figured out. I've had to tape in the last few days because I've been scheduled all over the place and running all over the city and now we're in the middle of a blizzard uh i am live with you right now uh i will be live if you want to call in uh for the noon show i'm going to leave the lines open the whole show and i'm going to take as many calls as we can tomorrow and if you want to hear news of the day and such you know you can find me at six to nine eastern so radio continues the freedom hut continues it's just going six to nine eastern um, and it's a national syndication so you can listen on terrestrial and also on the iheart app okay Enough of that. Enough of that for a second, team. I want to give you that update. But it's also fitting that the last official guest that we have scheduled here is our friend Sean Davis, who is co-founder of The Federalist. And he has some great stuff up on The Federalist now. And he joins us to just drop knowledge bombs as he does. Sean, great to have you. Always good to be here. What an honor, Buck. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you. It's an interesting time. Interesting time in in the Freedom Hut, for sure. So, uh, Sean... 
What's uh, I haven't I don't think we've been able to r- r- get into it much about uh, healthcare yet. We know the CBO scoring came out yesterday. Everyone's blah blah blah. CBO is to be trusted. Oh no, it's not. CBO is to be trusted. Where, where are you on on all of this? Is health is this a, a debacle, a stumble? It's okay. We'll make it better. It's great. Where, where are we now in in the GOP freedom meter? Where do you place all this healthcare reform stuff? So I think where I am right now is um, I hate everything and everyone is stupid. Is kind of how I'm looking okay. at the whole thing. Uh, I think this thing has been so botched and so incompetently handled, uh, mainly by House Republican leadership, that I'm just kind of shocked at what a mess it is right now. Because the way this should have happened would have been the House just calling up and passing uh, the bill that it passed, you know, a bajillion times before in, in previous Congresses with the same stuff they've been promising to do. It's an easy vote. You move it to the Senate. That's where the actual heavy lifting has to happen in the Senate. Passing something in the House should have been easy. Um, you have more than enough votes. It's getting 50, uh, 51 votes in the Senate. That's the trick. So Ryan and Kosha just passed the easiest they bill, bill they could pass uh, just to get to conference, because all the big negotiation stuff is going to happen in conference. Let the Senate do what it needs to do to get to conference, and then you do all the like really important, tough negotiation. Instead, uh, Republican leadership in the House has apparently decided they're going to do all of that up front pretending as though whatever they pass now out of the House will be the final bill um, that, that's passed and signed by Trump, it just makes no, none of it makes any sense to me. The, the whole thing is just a gigantic mess that didn't need to be that way. Is it because the GOP, uh, or not, I shouldn't say the GOP, because there are some people who obviously recognize that this is a problem and weren't pushing for what we've seen so far, have they lost their nerve? Are, are, are they chickening out? Is this just because they're people that want to keep their jobs and they know that Medicaid is free health care and people who get Medicaid free health care that didn't have it before, they are probably single issue voters. So they just they don't want to lose their jobs. So I, I think you're you're kind of half right. I think it's about Medicaid. I, I think in general, uh, most politicians are cowards, um, regardless of how you feel about Republicans or Democrats or conservatives or liberals. Most of them are cowards. Um, and what happened is that when, the, even though they were promising in previous Congresses, we're going to roll back the Medicaid expansion, um, we're going to do, we're going to repeal Obamacare root and branch. Now that they're actually in charge, they want, don't want to do that. And it's not because they're worried that people on Medicaid will come and vote them out, because people on Medicaid don't traditionally vote. They never have. They're just not the, the type of engaged Democrat that does big get out the vote drives. What Republicans are worried about is big hospitals and big hospital providers who are just getting rich off the Medicaid expansion. They are making money hand over fist. Uh, if you look in Ohio, for example, um, some of the biggest employers there are hospitals. Some of the biggest donors to politicians there are hospitals, which goes a long way to explain why John Kasich uh, tells us how much he loves Medicaid expansion. It's because the big, well-funded hospitals in his state love Medicaid expansion. And I think the real issue here is that Republican leadership are worried about those dollars drying up, and they've just decided, despite their previous promises, nah, we're just going to leave it in. Even after Trump said, you know what, I'm willing to negotiate on that, I'm willing to bring the rollback forward to 2017 or 2018 instead of 2020. Republicans who previously had made rollback of Medicaid expansion part of their anti-Obamacare platform a year ago are now saying, nope, can't do it, not going to do it. Uh, even, in, even in the face of Trump saying he'd be happy to do it, they're intransigent. And I think it's just total incompetence on their part. 
How do you think the Trump administration is doing these days? I know very broad question, but I don't know how many more chances I'm going to get in the days I had to ask you this one. So where would you place the administration? What is this? Day 50 something. Gosh, I don't know. I, I'm honestly so snake bit by 2016, um, you know, where I was convinced for a good chunk of the year that his campaign was in disarray and they're having real problems. And then lo and behold, they just blow Hillary out of the water. Um, so I look from the outside and I think, wow, they, it looks like kind of a mess. I don't know if they have a handle on things. Um, but in light of 2016, I, I like I doubt myself on that. So I don't know. They, this may be exactly what they want. Maybe maybe plowing ahead with all the stuff they wanted to do. Um, but, but looking at the Obamacare thing, I, I don't see this as Trump's fault. I see this as total ineptitude from Republican House leaders. Um, he, he negotiated, the White House uh, indicated a willingness to negotiate on it, and, and Ryan and Co. just said, no, we're not doing that, even though they had promised to do that same thing last year. Um, so the health care Obamacare repeal debacle, um, I, I honestly don't lay the blame at the feet of the Trump White House. I lay the blame at the feet of the people who actually wrote the dang thing and are defending it, which is House Republicans. Paul Ryan's not convincing to you then, right? He spoke yesterday. I, I heard some of his press conference, and he said, you know, this is this is good. It's going to get hammered out. This, this is going to be negotiated. You're, you're not. He's supposed to be the, the, the budget wonk of the of the GOP, right? I think that's a fair way to describe the perception, at least around him. And I, I didn't find him particularly convincing when he was saying this is this is good. This is progress. And this is going to make health care freer, uh, patient based, more competitive, all, all that stuff. I was like, I'm not seeing it. Yeah, I understand why he says all that stuff. I don't understand why he expects us to believe it in light of all the previous promises he made. Um, going back in time a little bit, I, there are a lot of people kind of in the conservative sphere who didn't like Ryan as speaker, and I was not one of them. I thought he could actually be a good consensus builder uh, within the party with credibility among all the different factions. I thought, especially on budget and tax matters and health care matters, he was uniquely suited to kind of spearhead tax reform and Obamacare repeal efforts, because there's so much procedural stuff that uh, that becomes obstacles and hurdles here, so many different rules, especially in the Senate, that you, you have to be able to navigate around and how you write the bill. He had years to prepare for this. Like, th- this is the thing that he was uniquely suited to do. And he stepped up to the plate, finally ready to take a pitch, and just, you know, whiffed it and fell down. I, I, it's the the performance really here from him and his team is incomprehensible to me and in just how bad it is, how ham fisted it is. Uh, I don't I just don't know what they're doing. Switching gears for a second here. I see that you've had some fun on Twitter uh, setting straight some of the claims made by Senator. Uh, uh, is it Kirsten or Kristen? Those types get it wrong. Kirsten Gillibrand, I'm assuming. I think that's right. I only ever, I don't ever actually listen to her. Kristen, not Kirsten. You know, I'm looking at it now. It's Kristen, not Kirsten. I always get those names mixed up. Uh, so I think a lot of people do. Uh, so she says that silencers are scary and bad. What's your, what, what's the, what's the so what of all this? Oh my gosh. So, so there's, there's actually been a, uh, an orchestrated play on this. Gabby Gifford's gun control group last night put out some tweets saying, fact, suppressors don't protect hearing. Fact, foamy earplugs work better which they don't, um, n- nobody who can compare uh, two numbers together or understands, you know, how volume works would ever think that cheap foamy earplugs from CBS are going to rival a suppressor and sound reduction 
um, quality. And then you have uh, the esteemed junior senator from New York saying this morning that uh, if you give these suppressors to criminals, if you let criminals buy them, they can kill people in silence, and then cops won't even be able to hear anything, and witnesses won't know what's happening, and then the criminals can just get away scot-free. Now, there's just so much wrong with that. For starters, no one's proposing that criminals be allowed to get suppressors. <clears throat> what the proposal is is that you buy a suppressor just like you buy a gun, uh, which is you know from a federal dealer with a background check. The process now is you have to apply, send in fingerprints, pictures, uh, passport photos. Um, you have to wait. Right now, I think the wait time is upwards of a year to get a what is a, the equivalent of a muffler for a firearm. You have to pay a $200 tax. The whole thing's a mess. Uh, the proposal is, hey, let's just treat suppressors like we treat guns. You, you get a background check. If you pass, you get it. If you don't, you don't. And, and then there's the silliness of, of her saying, you know, it's going to make these guns silent and so criminals can get away. No, that's not how they work. What suppressors do is reduce the volume of a gunshot down to roughly the whisper quiet level of a jet engine. So nobody's going to be getting away with them. The, the main benefit of the bill uh, to make it easier to get them, called the Hearing Protection Act, is to make it so if you have to defend yourself in your own home, uh, you're not going to deafen yourself and everyone in your family. That's pretty much it. And apparently uh, the gun, gun controllers think uh, deaf people defending their homes is the price we have to pay for them to have gun control. Yeah, a, a two-two-three round with a silencer on it. I mean, it's it sounds a bit like somebody taking instead of actually doing permanent hearing damage, it sounds like someone's taking a baseball bat and, and hitting the front of a car with it or something. <laughs> it's not. It's not whisper. Uh, the problem is you see all these movies where people running around like choo choo choo, and that, that, and there's I've yet to unless you're firing a twenty-two handgun with a with a special silencer. There's nothing that goes pew pew. <laughs> I think pew pew is like laser guns or maybe Star Wars, but there there's no right. silence nine millimeter or above round that sounds like a pew pew. No, because there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into your uh, the sound of a gunshot. You have uh, the massive gas explosion. Um, you have the uh, the sonic boom that comes from the ammunition being supersonic. You have the sound of the action. All the suppressor does is help reduce a little bit the volume of the gas explosion when that hot gas meets the cold air by kind of delaying the process of the gas meeting the cold air and letting it cool and a suppressor's baffles. Uh, but yeah, unless you're using like a 22 LR, which is a plinker round, it isn't going to do any real damage to anyone. Unless you're using that with a suppressor with subsonic ammo, you're not going to get anything like you see in the movies. We you know with the whisper quiet, it's still a really loud bang that's going to hurt your ears. It just might not permanently uh, uh, damage your hearing in certain frequencies. That's it. What's your next going to be on the Federalist.com, sir? Oh, gosh. Th this whole hyperventilating over the CBO report, um, it, just as a quick aside, I always love CB CBO um, orchestrations from people on both sides because if you agree with them, they're the uh, nonpartisan congressional scorekeeper, and if you disagree with them, they are the you know Democrat or Republican-controlled uh, budget unit. Uh, nobody ever actually cares what they say. They only care whether they can weaponize CBO, and that's what you're seeing right now with this new Obamacare repeal score. Sean Davis, co-founder of The Federalist. Check out his latest on thefederalist.com. Sean, thank you for being such a uh, fantastic contributor to the show, and uh, we're hoping you'll join us at night when you can. Absolutely. Thank you, Buck. Team, we'll hit a break. Right back after. Buck Sexton. The Blaze Radio Network.
team, it's like a six, maybe a seven on the 10-point snow scale here in New York City. I mean, it's really nothing that bad. I just uh, was trudging around in it. Of course, had to get my coffee. Neither rain nor snow. A tornado is not going to stop me from getting my morning coffee. Um, but it, okay, well, maybe it would actually, but you know what I'm saying? I, uh, I'd say this is another case of it's better to run with the story when you can all the media hyperbole out there. Why not just go for it? Um, so there's that. Let me see. Uh, next hour, we're going to be doing some story time with Buck. Uh, I'm just gonna be telling you guys some stories. I, I, there's not a lot of awesome news today anyway. I mean, I mean, awesome. I mean, really that uh pressing so because this is the second to last day of the buck sexton show we will um tomorrow have our final show and we will talk about stuff Um, i'm just gonna show up and we're just gonna hang out for two hours those of you who've never called in before i would really encourage you to try to call into just why not you know it's one last uh, one last hurrah uh the number uh this will be for tomorrow's show because i'll be this next hour i'm gonna be doing stories but it's 888-900-3393. Uh, Whoa, I was blank for a second. 888-900-3393. So tomorrow, anytime during the show, you can call, and I hope you do, because it would be fun to hear some, some voices that I haven't heard before. And uh, it'll be our last show here at noon. And then The Godfather takes over, so you'll be in very good hands. And also, please do, if you can't listen live uh, to me on 6 to 9 uh, on Buck Sexton with America Now. Those of you listening, go on to iTunes, type in Buck Sexton with America Now, and then you can subscribe. And then every podcast will just pop in your box, uh, pop up in your box, and then we'll be good to go. All right, team. uh, Until after the break, be right back. Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.